Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me as my co-host today, Christian Saez. What's up, buddy? Oh, I'm I'm happy I'm here, man. Get to talk some good baseball. This is the best time of year. It is. It's Christmas for baseball fans. It really is. And the, the temperature is just like perfect. Yeah, yeah. A little cool in the morning, but then it warms up. It's such a bummer we're not playing here in Colorado right now, especially given how just crappy the, the, the regular season was weather-wise for the Rockies. So many games that, had, that were impacted by weather. And then now it's like perfect in October. And of course, the Rockies haven't seen October in a minute. So nope. Saturday was the five-year anniversary of Game Three of the 2018 NLDS mm-hmm. against yep. the Brewers, and that was a that was a cold game. Like yeah. that was, and you're like, no, that's not indicative of Colorado. Yeah. It's sort of, and maybe that's a good thing. There's probably a lot of Coloradans listening. This, like, no, we don't want people to know how great the weather is. Yeah. Like when we have snowpening day against Atlanta in 2018, <laughs> and it's like snowing. And yeah. It's 32 yeah. degrees. Yep. Nope. It's like that all summer. Yeah. Don't move here well, at all. That's like Seattle, and I know Seattle has a roof, you know, but if people come to Seattle thinking it's going to be just miserable, cold, rainy. But then you get there in the summer and there's four months of like 85 and perfectly sunny. And I remember Marissa taking Marissa to Seattle for the first time. And she never saw it rain for like two years of us going and visiting. She's like, what, what is this stereotype? Like I've never seen it rain. Same exact thing. The best cities have the worst weather. So at the all-star game this year, rocking the cap today. Yeah. yeah, I got to be watching live on YouTube uh, on the DMVR sports channel. The weather was perfect yeah. in the summer where it was like 80 every day, like 60 degrees in the morning. Absolutely perfect. Plenty of sun too. And then in San Francisco, when I went out there last year to cover a series, mm-hmm. it was like, all right, it's May. It's going to be cold. Maybe because I prepared for the cold and I was expecting the worst. It was like, no, this is great. No, this when that fine. fog rolls out at like 10 a.m., <laughs> it's great. It's a yeah. crystal clear sunny day from that point on. Awesome weather. Yeah, that West Coast weather is good. It can it can catch up to you when when the season hits. Sure was. Yeah, yeah. It, and it, it was fantastic when I was in Chicago right there uh, at the end of the season. And uh, look, we're going to talk postseason. We got plenty of that to talk about. Uh, we got Daniel Allentuck calling in uh, with, with a conversation with her about the 0-2 Orioles. It's kind of a surprise there surprise. Uh, with that home field advantage. We'll talk about if the setup for the postseason, at least here in the early rounds, is something that needs to be changed or altered. That's kind of in a conversation mm-hmm. in and around the game. Uh, we'll get to that. But, of course, let's start off with some Rockies general news and notes. Arizona Fall League going on right now. Is that, as a huge baseball guy like yourself, is that one of those things that might not be at the top of the bucket list as a baseball fan, but somewhere on there of like, yeah, want to go down in Phoenix Watch the future stars of the game yeah. in the Arizona Fall League do nothing but that for like a month when it starts to get cold, but it's still 80, 90 yeah. degrees in Phoenix. Oh, especially, especially in Phoenix. I, I think if you're coming off of a season where you're in the playoffs, you're making a postseason run, you win the World Series, I could care less about, you know, fall ball. But if you're in a situation like the Rockies are in where you are in full rebuild, hoping that the future generation of the Rockies is going to be what bails you out at some point in the next few years, then, yeah, you pay you pay attention a lot to what's happening this time of year and really all off season. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what they can bring out of, uh, you know, a few weeks of baseball. Great segue to Sterling Thompson, two for five. Yeah. In the last game uh, on on Saturday, Sunday's. Are their day off? He's two for five with a walk, RBI. He's third right now in the Arizona Fall League in OPS after the first week. Nine for 18, batting 500. He is one of those players that each and every year you look at the Arizona Fall League, and there are guys, if you go back and look through the list, that will contribute for the next year, some more than others. Arenado had his Arizona Fall League MVP season in, in 2012, immediate impact there in, in 2013. Yeah. Sterling Thompson is that next guy up. 
you know, drafted as a third baseman who can play a little corner outfield. They've been playing him a little bit at second base, which has obviously led to some speculation that, you know, there was some conversation last offseason where maybe there were, were was some back and forth between the Marlins and Rockies for Brendan Rodgers coming off that Gold Glove Award season. Uh, again, still has two more years of club control. This is kind yeah. of the point in which a lot of teams who are looking to get better for the future will cash in some of those younger chips, those controllable chips. So it'll be interesting to see if Thompson sort of forces the Rockies' hands and say, uh, do we need to move on from a Ryan McMahon or Brendan Rodgers, maybe to at least acquire a little bit of starting pitching? Yeah, I mean, and you're at this point, you're in a place where, you know, all hands are on deck, all bets are off. You know, you're, you're just making moves at mm-hmm. this point. So I think there's opportunity in every way you can see it. If you want to keep some of those core guys that you had and you think you can build off of those guys, then great. But if you want to go with a younger guy, this is the time in your... I don't know, in, in in your organization where you can take those risks. Maybe if you're a team that, like I said, is making the postseason, you're in that that winning window. You don't want to be taking some huge risks on young guys. I think the Rockies have all the room in the world. Like, take those risks. Um, and if you're not feeling 100% confident in the guys that are on your roster right now, use them to build value on your team. So I'm with you on that. And, and you look at two off seasons ago, there were two guys, I mentioned this before on the pod, you know, you had Antonio Senzatella, Kyle Freeland, Ryan McMahon. Mm-hmm. They were coming up in their final two years of club control, yeah. of, of final two years of going to arbitration. And what the Rockies do, locked them up. So you should either be doing that with Brendan Rodgers this year mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, be be kind of exploring all different trade avenues. Benny Montgomery went one for four on Saturday. 18 to 11 shootout in the Salt River Rafters game on Saturday. Wow. Down in Phoenix. A lot of runs scored. 18 to 11? Yes. Wow. There were three Rockies pitchers who were involved <laughs> okay. in that, unfortunately, in that loss. Oh, geez. Not, not great. Jaden Hill. Through one inning, gave up a run, but it was unearned and somehow got stuck with the loss there. That was uh, strange. Juan Mejia is, is one of those young guys who, you know, with relief pitchers, they're typically not top 30 prospects mm, because sure. they're quote-unquote failed starters or they've got a lot to kind of figure out. There, yeah. There's so many more variables for those guys. Juan Mejia is one of those who's always been around the fringes, but him getting the nod to go to the Arizona Fall League is an indicator that the Rockies do like him. Two and a third innings pitched so far. Seven strikeouts, all seven of his outs have been K's and only walk two, no hits allowed for a Juan Mejia. Yeah, it's good to see. And that's that's what you look for at those levels. And you look at it even during the regular season with minor league guys going back and forth. When you're looking at prospects, can you command consistency? You know, and yes. that's the biggest thing. And we talk about it a ton. But, um, you know, and so and that's the same thing with fall league um, and spring training, you know, looking to see some of the, those young guys creating consistency. Um, you love to see the strikeouts, but the number one part of that is the lack of walks because you can get guys out there that are throwing 102 miles an hour with tail and you're going to get seven strikeouts in an outing. But if you know, the, the, the fat, the other factor of that is you might be walking a lot of guys throwing a lot of balls. And so, um, seeing young guys that can throw strikes consistently, that's, it's good to see. That's like the biggest indicator. I think walks and strikeouts are almost one and the same for developing sure. prospects. Yeah. When you're a pitcher, more strikeouts than walks is, yeah. is really huge and, and, and a big gap between those. Same thing for the hitters. If you're taking more walks than you're striking out, that's a really good indicator of your eye and, and a lot of that potential at the plate. Look, if I'm, if I'm looking at prospects and I see a guy go out there and he gives up two home runs, let's say, in an outing, but he's commanding his strike zone, he's not throwing a lot of wasted pitches, that to me is more impressive. Forget the home runs, forget the guys getting good hits. You can work on that, work on ball placement, but if you're out there throwing strikes, you're not giving up easy on-base opportunities, as a young prospect, that's that's the most important part. And so um, you love to see that from, from some young guys coming up in the league. 
And I think that's a lot of the, the Rockies thinking with some of their minor league affiliates where they're very homer prone, yeah, uh, playing sure. more hitter friendly leagues to say, hey, you need to get used to this by the time you get to Coors Field of that. You can give up a solo home run. That's yeah. not going to kill you. But a walk is a two-run home run waiting to happen. I don't know that that's a baseball phrase. I just made that up. No, I like I, that. I, I, but it's so true, though, because <laughs> you're right. Like, I mean, you're going to give up home runs. The best pitchers that I you know, saw growing up and even you watch on TV, they give up home runs. Clayton Kershaw, we'll talk about him. One of the best pitchers in baseball cannot figure it out with the Dodgers in the postseason. But he's still an amazing pitcher, and there are other aspects of his pitching game that go beyond that that make him a good pitcher. Um, and so when you're looking at prospects, yeah, it, it, so what if you give up a home run? How can you respond to that? Um, and you see that that conversation a lot with young high school, college pitchers in the same way. Okay, well, how do you bounce back from adversity? Um, because you're going to face that a lot as you face better guys getting up closer to the big stage. Ingredients are important. The process is important, which is why Breckenridge Distillery, the official bourbon of the Denver Broncos, look, they've got a high-rise mash American-style whiskey. They're allowing you a chance to get two tickets for the Chargers-Broncos game at the end of the season, December 31st. All you got to do is post your favorite Broncos photos to Instagram or Facebook using hashtag Broncos Bourbon by the end of November, because then on December 1st, they're going to narrow it down to 10 favorites. Two tickets, hashtag Broncos Bourbon. It's amazing. Go over to BreckenridgeDistillery.com slash bourbon of the Denver Broncos. They're at all the tailgates, DNVR bar watch parties. Have you got a chance to go to any of the tailgates just yet? I have not, but I am planning on going to a couple. Even though the Broncos are uh, struggling a little bit, the tailgates are, I've heard, a blast this year. Yes. A lot of new fun things. We would love to hear in the comments uh, what Christian is wearing uh, as an undershirt. Yeah socks maybe has a special the, the least confident sports teams in colorado right now we'll go with that team apparel sneakers maybe you're wearing but yeah, yeah. broncos cap <laughs> with the rocky sweatshirt i'm trying what to else? give some love to to our our you know struggling teams <laughs> in colorado right we've got some good teams that are getting ready to be playing soon so True. you know gotta gotta give some love to the the slow starts that's fantastic yeah give some love to breckenridge distillery it's available in all 50 states do that alaska hawaii it's amazing. You, you got to like that. Shop at your local retailer or visit BreckenridgeDistillery.com for home delivery of award-winning Breckenridge Spirits at Prey Anywhere. Now, Bet365, they don't just do ordinary. They believe every sport should be epic. So see for yourself when you sign up today because you'll get $365 in bonus bets when you bet just $1. Right now, they got the DNVR custom bets where we've got special things going on. Right now, I think the one going is, will the Broncos get three division wins? <laughs> oh, and they got, they Can got we go Chiefs with home up. wins first? Can we start with one of those bets? You know, Will the Broncos get three home wins on the season? That might be a... We can we can do that. Yeah. We can ask that three six five. Can we ask that? Yeah, exactly. We we kind of like to put in a request for a bet. Oh, it's fantastic. They've been pioneer in game betting uh, for for a very long time, close to a million folks uh, and a million events that they've been they've been doing every year. Proud partner of the Colorado Rockies. All you gotta do is download the app, deposit ten dollars, claim your three hundred sixty five dollars in bonus bets as soon as you place a bet for one dollar. Download the Bet three six five app and use code DNVR three six five when you sign up. Whatever the sport. Whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's dig into these postseason matchups. Uh, let's go ahead and start off with Twins. Houston, Twins get a much-needed Game 2 win last night. In Houston, too. In Huge. Houston. Yeah. And, and who, who did it but the guy who's done it many, many times for yeah. Houston— Carlos Correa. Yeah, I know. I know. I, one of the things I noticed, too, on the broadcast, I don't know if you were had the audio playing at the end, uh, Astros fans are booing, you know, their team <laughs> towards the end of that. And I'm like, come on, guys. Like, what are you doing? First of all, no one's getting in the head of that 2017 Astros team. I mean, that those guys can be booed for the rest of their lives, and that won't matter to them. And second, like, 
you're one and one. Like, God, that is a tough fan base to to be appreciative right there. Um, but huge, huge win for the Twins because you go down two and you know, oh and two mm-hmm. on the road to a very, very good Astros team, and you look at guys like Jose Altuve who are stepping up big time. Um, this is that's gonna be one of the tighter series, I think, uh, in this this opening round. And it'll be interesting to see what the what the weather like, what the environment is like in Minnesota oh my for God, that game. Obviously, they got a chance to do it last week during the wild card round. You mentioned Jose Altuve. Homer's on the very first pitch yep. he sees, does it against six foot nine Bailey Ober. So of course, naturally, when you're five foot six like Jose Altuve, every home run you hit has some kind of, you know, statistical relevance when it comes to your <laughs> height. Course. So that is the biggest uh, height discrepancy between okay. a pitcher and a hitter, five six Jose Altuve and six nine six, Bailey nine, Ober. Man. Oh my God, six nine! I cannot imagine that that the angle in which that ball is coming out for a five foot six versus six foot nine. That's coach pitch. Yeah, that's what that is. It's yeah. like you know, if you're not using the T, you know, you got a dad. Even if he's yeah. just, even if he's a short <laughs> yes, king at five so five, true. the small yep. kids are yep. like, that's a lollipop. You yeah. just see him with just chopping at these balls. But it does make a difference though, and I don't know if you've ever stepped into the plate uh, to hit um, fast pitch softball. Like I, you know, like every once in a while, you get like one of the high school fast pitch girls that comes out and they can sling it. It's a huge difference. I like you always think you're so confident, like, oh, I could totally smoke one, a bigger ball, and everything like that. And it's just the release on it is so different. Um, it plays a factor, but yeah, first pitch for Jose Altuve, uh, the dude can the dude can play in October, that's for sure. Yeah, I think that that gave him 20 home runs on the button there. Yep. So it becomes uh, one of four players ever with a hundred or more base hits in the postseason, 20 or more home runs, 50 RBIs. A couple luminaries there, uh, Manny Ramirez, Derek Jeter, and a guy who was great in the postseason for the Yankees, Bernie Williams. Yeah. Altuve adds his name to that list. And and I think that's deserved. I know that the cheating stuff is tough to swallow, and sure. I, I know all of that is is kind of a big asterisk in a way. Um, but beyond anything else, the dude's just been consistent. He's been a rock star in the postseason. Um, and I truly think the, and, and this is a whole other debate, but one of the most important aspects of a superstar is their ability to perform in the postseason when it matters most and he's shown that he's been able to do that. So, yeah, I, I think his name is deservedly in that conversation. Yeah, I think, you know, base, baseball, maybe it's more true than the other sports. Uh, I, again, I, I'm, I'm not as well-versed in them. But I feel like in baseball, if you're big in the postseason, that that goes a long way. Yeah. That's, that's I feel like, a lot more memorable and can, can have a lot more weight on whether or not, you know, you're a Hall of Fame kind of candidate. Yeah, oh, for sure. And I, and I wanted to pose this question to you. And, again, I was kind of going to save it for the Kershaw segment, but I think it, it, it it's relevant right now. It, you know, what, what do you put more stock in? What do you put more value in? If you're looking at a guy who can, who you know is going to be a 12-year veteran pitcher putting up all-star numbers every season, but chokes in the postseason versus a guy that maybe is kind of a no-name pitcher throughout his career, but in the postseason he has some huge outings and gets a win for his team, you know, that kind of thing. What do you think is more valuable? valuable? Because obviously on one side you like a guy with some longevity and consistency, but if you're not showing up in the postseason... How do you argue that, you know? I think I'd rather the, the quantity yeah. more so, right? The, the regular season play. Sure. I mean, that being said, if, if you are a team that only needs a couple pieces, you have to overpay or you have to do what you need to do to bring those guys in because you know, hey, I, I, we're pretty confident we got the regular season locked up. Now yeah. we need pieces for the postseason. Yeah, and guys with the mentality to show up. And, and I, I looked at it this way too. You know, I think of, okay, when you're in – you know, when you're in elementary school, you're out in your, your parents' backyard, you've got a wiffle ball bat, and you know, you're out just like playing baseball in the backyard. 
and you close your eyes, you're on the mound, you're, you're visualizing yourself. Do you close your eyes and do you think to yourself, all right, I'm going to, you know, pitch for my ball to strike ratio is going to be this for the season. And I'm going to get an under 2.5 ERA. Like, no, you're closing your eyes thinking this is game seven of the NLDS with a chance to go to the World Series. And I got to get three outs like you're putting yourself in do or die situation mode. And that's what you dream about from yeah. the moment you're a kid. So, yeah, the numbers consistency is great. And obviously, you've got to have that to a point to get to that spot. But you work your entire life to get to the postseason, game one of the playoffs when the team calls your name. And if you can't show up and you're known to not be able to show up, oh, that's just that's just hard to swallow. Yeah, I've yet to uh yet to cover many postseason games. I'll actually be going down to Arizona this week uh for game three and potentially game four. But I've yet to talk to a player, and I doubt I ever will. Uh, you know, where, where they would say kind of the antithesis of what you just posed there of like, I remember being in my backyard and be like, and 20,000 fans are going crazy <laughs> yeah. at PNC Park. Yeah. Will the Brewers take down the Pirates tonight? Like in, in a mid-May game yeah. on yeah, a Tuesday right, night, right. like that's your yeah, like, yeah, scenario yeah. you're dreaming of? Like no. 95 pitch complete game and, you know, I'm shut out. Like you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It bark at the park night. The dogs are going <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah, right. They right. just gave out a beach towel. Like, no, you want it to be October yes, baseball. Yes, a chill in the air. You know, the, it's it's that's that situation. The lights are on in the big moment. Can you show up? Um, and so I think, you know, Jose Altuve, although he also has had consistency in his regular season sure. as well. Um, he's a guy who shows up when it when it counts. And that for Astros fans has been a blessing. Something where I think, you know, OK, hold off on the booze, guys. You guys have been. You guys have been spoiled for a few years with Jose Altuve. And Correa has showed up mostly with the Astros. 79 postseason games with Houston before facing them yeah. here in this ALDS. Uh, that's the most for any player ever against his his former team. Pujols did it 73. Had 73 games with the Cardinals before facing them. That would have been two years ago when he was with the Dodgers. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute, how, how did, was he ever facing because he was with the Angels? And we know famously they never really went to the postseason. Sure, of course. Uh, and then Jack Peterson uh, when he was with the Giants mm -hmm. there in uh 2021, yeah. that 107-win team for the Giants. I uh, played 64 games with the Dodgers before facing against them. So uh, Pablo Lopez, how special of a player has he been? He's the Game 2 starter. Just absolutely shoved. Did the exact same thing against Toronto. He's yeah. one of those players, along with Sonny Gray, who I mentioned last week is just a guy who's really, I think, been slept on. He's done it in these smaller markets yeah. like Oakland, Cincinnati, now Minnesota. But if the Twins can, can keep those guys on the mound, you know, similarly to... When the Giants, you know, won in, was it 2015? Yeah, yeah, with, with, yep. uh Entirely with Madison Bumgarner. Is that, sure. is that one guy? That's one guy. Yeah. But if you have two guys, that increases the likelihood. And we'll talk about Gallon and Merrill Kelly being those guys for the Diamondbacks just a little mm -hmm. bit. But is, the, is that enough? Can can guys like Sonny, Sonny Gray and or Pablo Lopez be enough to, to elevate the Twins maybe on their own? Pitching wins... Pitching wins postseason. I, I I believe that wholeheartedly. I know a lot of people can make the argument that you know you obviously you got to have hitting involved in that too. The the Twins have not had the hitting element where they wanted at least. Um, but if you're not going to have that part up, you've got to have pitching. And uh, Sonny Gray's been in the league for a while. You know, I mean, he's a guy who's been there. He's seen it. He's done it. Um, and he he just kind of speaks to that level of like that veteran attitude. I um, mean, I think guys who have been to different programs as well, especially programs that haven't 
been known to win as much like mm-hmm. the athletics or at least win in in the latter half of the season um it it's very refreshing as a competitor to get to the postseason and have that opportunity and so yeah when your number's called um sunny gray pablo lopez showing up when it counts but now it's about you know okay they did their job can the rest of the team do theirs you got to have other guys stepping up yeah step up and uh and make yourself apparent down at Cherry Creek or North Denver at either of the Kind Love locations. They're amazing. They got a uh, hundred different stores around the state uh, that you can actually get their Kind Love flour or the turbo joints. Uh, they're amazing. Official partner of DNVR. Support a local brand because they help support us. They do a wonderful job. Consistent, great experience each and every time that you go in there. Uh, now they're available for deliveries too, especially when you use that code DNVR. Do that. They give you a great discount. One of the first dispensaries in all of Colorado back in 2010. Nobody knows more or does it better than kind love. And FOCO, man, FOCO, they're experiencing a, a nice little boost right now, especially with their overalls. So first off, use code DNVR to get 10% off uh, your purchases over at FOCO.com. But Jamie Moyer, Rockies legend, mm-hmm. 49-year-old Rockies legend, yeah. was there rocking the overalls, throwing out the first pitch. They got CU plaid overalls. Yeah. What's what's a really bad college football team right now that, that you're going to go out and get their plaid overalls? A really to bad. To really set this just, outfit just off. Just to set the I, – I, exactly. I don't even – I have no idea. But, I I mean, you know, I the overalls in general are just incredible yeah. to see. I, I, I'm waiting for Marissa to get some because she – She's talked about it a lot. And I'm like, one of these days I'm going to come home and she's going to be like, all right, time to go to the tailgate. And she's going to have some orange and blue plaid overalls. It's going to be a vision. They're amazing. Yeah, FOCO does a wonderful job with everything, especially the bobbleheads. They got peanuts bobbleheads too. Really? Yes. Like, which, oh, you know, creative. is a baseball, it's a baseball related comic Can we strip. get like the Dan Patrick show set up going with just the 500 bobbleheads and, you know, kind of yeah. that vibe. I mean, all we, from FOCO. We kind of need to now. Yeah. You hear, make a note. Uh, just a hundred all you know, on every your budget month. you hear yeah, it's, it's yeah. all you man oh, I can survive. <laughs> every every month just like a new 100 we don't expect 500 like that but over the course of half of a year we'll do that with all the bobbleheads they even have like a, a rockies fun flamingo hawaiian style button-up shirt oh, too cool. so you know that that's kind of perfect foco.com they got they got our back in colorado sports all right danielle allentuck uh she had uh, rockies fans back for a while there for the denver gazette uh, moved back home to uh, Baltimore, working for a great outfit there, the Baltimore Banner. Got a chance to catch up with her earlier this morning, talking about that O2 series. What can the, you know, what have the Orioles done wrong? What can they do to get it, uh, the, the ship rightened? And uh, and here she is with uh, her feedback on the O2 Orioles. Super excited to have in great friend of the show, former Rockies beat writer and current NL, or excuse me, ALDS writer for the Baltimore Orioles, Danielle Allentuck of the Baltimore Banner. Danielle, how are you doing today? I'm great. It's great to see you. Yeah, likewise. Uh, you know, glad one of us has some off postseason <laughs> coverage uh, going here in October. And unfortunately, uh, things have not been uh, great so far in these first two games against the Texas Rangers, down 0-2. But look, you, you can't count this young team back as we kind of saw in game two, late in that game. These guys, uh, they've got a lot of fight in them. They do. I mean, they haven't been swept all season. They haven't been swept in 91 series straight, I believe is the number now. So they've been down before and they've always proven to be able to come back. Yeah. How, how clutch did it seem? And again, it's, it's a game that you're behind. So maybe there's not as much pressure, but Gunnar Henderson getting his first postseason home run uh, in a spot where again, you're scratching back just a little bit, doing some damage to the Rangers bullpen on top of it. Yeah, I mean, I want to say that was clutch uh, for the game in any way, but it was great for his confidence. I mean, this is brand new for all of them, but people forget that Gunner is 22 years old. 
and he's a fresh 22. He's 21 for most of the year, and he's lived up to the moment, but he definitely needed that confidence boost, and I think it gave the rest of the offense a confidence boost that showed, hey, we can go and put eight runs up against this team. We can do that again tomorrow. Yeah, would you – down 0-2, are, are you pinning more of this on the, the offense for not being able to you know scratch away as many runs? I mean, again, when you give up 11 runs in game two, uh, that's going to be a big factor. Or has it been more of the pitching, or is it really just kind of a, a mixture of the, of the two? So I think the offense has been fine. I mean, they've kind of done what they've done all season, I guess, to be honest. Um Saturday could have definitely used a little bit of extra help. And they have a couple big guys, Ryan O'Hearn and Cedric Mullins, are both slumping big time. Um, but there's a right-handed pitcher tomorrow, so maybe that will help them get out of their way. But I really credit this to the pitching. Bradish was okay on Saturday. Grayson Rodriguez did not have a good start at all on Sunday. And in some of the bullpen moves, I think, have been really iffy. Um, for people who don't follow the Orioles directly, they put uh, Brian Baker on this roster instead of Shintaro Fujinami. And you can argue that all you want, but Baker went in yesterday in a big spot, loaded the bases. Jacob Webb, who, you know, you also could argue maybe shouldn't have been on this roster, gave up a grand slam after giving up the go-ahead run the day before. So I think some of the roster decisions and then the bullpen management are to blame so far for these losses. Yeah, and, and I would sort of kind of add on that, uh, th- this idea that, look, the entire Orioles organization, this is new for them. Like, you've got these guys playing in their first postseason games ever. So uh, anytime you do that, that's, that's a big spot, even if it's wild card series, this, of course, being the division series. And then the coaching staff maybe uh, not pushing those right buttons, as you said, you could argue possibly. Um, but was this something that, and again, series is, is far from over. I, I think uh, of the 31 times that the uh, uh, the road team won the first two games in the series three times. Those uh, the original home team had come back to win. So we're looking at under 10% chance historically for the Orioles to come back and win this. Definitely not over. But was there any inkling going into the series of like, you know, the, the biggest hurdle that they have to overcome is just their lack of October inexperience? So the interesting part about that is that Aaron Hicks was on one of those teams who came back from being down 0-2 when he was on the Yankees. So I think his experience will really play into this and maybe he'll be able to calm down the rest of the team. Like, look, I did it a couple years ago. We can do it now. I think that's been a big help and he's had a really good postseason. Um, and you have to remember manager Brandon Hyde and, you know, he went to the World Series with the Cubs as a bench coach, but this is his first time managing it too. So I think that it's inexperience all around. I think it's the mismanagement. Um, there are definitely ways to fix it come tomorrow. I mean, I... I do kind of believe they're going to win this game tomorrow and then go down to lose the series, but they're definitely not out of it. Yeah, and and, and Aaron Hicks, I imagine, is saying, hey, look, I can only lead you guys so much. Uh, you can't take the bat out of my hands when you're when you're getting thrown out at second base right. there in the ninth inning. Uh, another another well, reason why that was important for Henderson. That one was kind of Hicks' fault. He missed the sign. Oh, I I did not uh, catch that. I Hyde had a look on his face of confusion, uh, and, yeah. and I, the the first inkling was like, oh, Henderson kind of went on his own. No, it was Hicks, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a hit and run. Uh, Hicks didn't deliver. Gunner misread the sign, but if Hicks had done his part, Gunner wouldn't have been called out. It's it's all those little things uh, mm-hmm. when it gets down to this point in in the postseason. What was the vibes like uh, at at uh, Camden Yards there for the first time in in quite a while to be uh, hosting a, a postseason game? So Saturday was incredible. I mean, the pregame fans were there. It was pouring rain on Saturday. Absolutely disgusting before game time. And fans were there. I got to the stadium at like 8.45, 9-ish. Fans were already lined up outside, which was crazy for a one ten start when the game doesn't start for another 
I can't do the math because my postseason brain isn't working. But whenever, the, however many hours there were until the game, um, the vibes were incredible. They went away really fast, though. I'm not going to lie. I thought the crowd got really silent. Sunday, as soon as that Grand Slam got given up, the vibe went away completely. It came back a little bit there in the eights and nines, but I was a little disappointed to see that the crowd wasn't more into it and more supporting their team. Sure. But, you know, they're, they're an experience in a postseason crowd, too. They exactly. haven't been there, so... That's a that's there's a thing to that absolutely. I mean, you look at what the uh, the vibes and the the feeling has been like at Citizens Bank Park, and you just say like, well, yeah, Philadelphia knows how to. How, they they can do it in the regular season. Like any any regular season game to them is a postseason game to Philly fans. So you see that in that advantage. But again, you you can you win today. You only win one game at a time, and and maybe you you go back, or rather, you win on uh, on on Tuesday. You win game four, and then and then you're back home, which is good. Game three preview. I know Nathan Eovaldi is going for the Rangers, uh, who the Orioles have up for them on the bump. They have not announced yet. It's down between Dean Kramer and Kyle Gibson. I imagine it will be Dean Kramer. Um, he has pitched in big moments so far this season. He did the day they clinched their postseason birds and the day they won a division. So he definitely knows how to live up to the moment, but. Gibson is your trusted veteran, so I could also see them going with him. He, went, he was with the Phillies last year when they went to the World Series, but I imagine it'll be Kramer. We'll find out soon. And is Bradish uh, able to go in game four? I don't know. I mean, that would be short rest, I think, theoretically. Uh, Hyde said yesterday that all options are on the table today, so I think there's a chance that they could piggyback Kramer and Bradish today and then have, uh, if they make it till tomorrow, have Bradish go again. All right, what's your what's your uh, pick to click for Game Three? Who's who's got to be the guy for the Orioles to win, or who's most likely going to be the one who steps up and you say, "Hey, Orioles win Game three, It's because of it's got to be Ryan <laughs> Ryan O'Hearn. He was their go-to guy all season. You know, he kind of came out of nowhere. He was a very low-risk pickup from the Orioles in the offseason. He didn't even make the team out of spring training, but he was Mister Clutch for them all year. He hitting in a cleanup spot. But he is, I believe, over 24 right now. He has not had a good September. But if he can go back to how he was earlier in the season, he'll probably be starting on Wednesday, what day, Tuesday, as they go against a right-handed pitcher. So they need him to be mid-season Ryan O'Hearn. Got to be. Got to have that happen. Danielle, go ahead and plug away because, look, a lot of people are rooting for the Orioles. I think they're rooting for you, too. If they're Rockies fans, they're like, hey, let's have Danielle win a ring. That might be the closest the Rockies come in a couple years. So uh, go ahead and plug away. Let folks where they can check you out on social media as well as all your written content. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at D underscore Allen Talk. And if you want to see the work my colleagues and I have been doing, it's DeBaltimoreBanner.com. BaltimoreBanner.com. That's the spot. Danielle, thank you so much. Good luck in game three. Thank you. Man, Evan Carter, 21-year-old Evan Carter has been fantastic this entire offseason. I think he only had been like one for four in, in game two. But he reached base safely 10 of his first 12 postseason plate appearances. Do you know who has never reached 10 times in the postseason among active players? No. Bo Bichette. Really? Only eight times in 25 plate appearances. Really? Hold on wow. your hats. It gets better. Vlad Guerrero Jr., only six times in I could see that. 25 plate appearances. Okay. Makes sense why they got knocked out. Yeah. And in 35 plate appearances, Nolan Arenado has only reached base five times. So, oh my God. Tip of the cap to Evan Carter. Hey, playing a little money ball out there, right? Just get on base. Pretty much. Corey Seager had five walks in game two. That's a postseason record. Adley Rutschman is the leadoff hitter, their catcher. What are your thoughts on this kind of modern lineup construction of like, 
just whoever's going to get on base or whoever can kind of get on base and definitely can maybe juice one and, and, and get a leadoff home run yeah. at this top of the lineup. How, how do you like that? Because obviously that's not been the convention in the past no. with more speedier guys. I, I, I love it because it shows aggression to start a game. I'm the type of person that when, you know, in football, when you get the coin toss, if you win the coin toss, I know a lot of people like to defer, get the ball in the second half. I want the ball first. I want my offense to run out and score first. I'm the same mindset with baseball. When you're up, I, I want to run in the first inning. That like more important to me than anything else. I need someone getting on base, getting home in the first inning. And so when you can have your leadoff guy, you look at like Jose Altuve hitting a home run on the first pitch. When you've got a guy like that that can get on base or even like you said, like Rutschman, put it out into the stands every once in a while, um, that's huge. I When I was in college too, um, we had a, a kind of lineup switch where we actually had our, one of our power hitters hitting leadoff a couple times because wow. he was getting on base so much, even though like, yeah, it was like doubles and triples and home runs. Like he was just reaching base so much. Our coach wanted him the same way, wanted him to start off the game strong. And I, I kind of have that mindset. So I, I love it. Although the Orioles are not playing well with that. No. And that's the problem. Um, so the the idea of it is good. Um, I think if it's executed correctly and Rutschman can um, get on base and, and and start the momentum early in the game, that's great. But God, I mean, if you're, you're playing at home against the Rangers first two games and you lose... Uh, I don't know what kind of momentum you need because you had it all right there yeah. just from being at home for the first time in a postseason in forever, and now you're down 0-2. Right. Yeah, it's that same conversation of regular season versus postseason. Over 162 games, that guy batting leadoff that, that can run into one is, is great, but if you're not getting in the postseason... Eh, you know, not 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 yeah. so good. Well, it's like are are the are the lights too big for the Orioles right now? That's that, that's my concern. When I watched the first two games, uh, it feels like it might be one of those situations where okay, yeah, regular season was great for the Orioles, but did the spotlight come a little too early for some of these guys? The hype was there, and now it all shows up. You're playing in front of a home crowd, sold out Orange Stadium, <laughs> and you you kind of fall short. Yeah. You know. Any issues with this format? Because right now, uh, last season, I should say, uh, since we've gone to the the six team format in each leagues, in the American League, Yankees and Astros, mm -hmm. you know, represented the uh, the American League in the ALCS. But in the NL, you had Phillies and Padres do it, and now we're seeing that uh, pretty much uh, all four of the uh, the lower seeded teams, lower ranked teams have home field advantage. Yeah, right? Rangers are are up 2-0. Twins and and Astros, it's 1-1, but now you got two games at target field. That's home field advantage for Minnesota. Yeah. And the same thing for the Diamondbacks and Phillies, which we'll get to here in a second. I don't know what can be done other than maybe, you know, stretching it out to like a, uh, a seven-game series, yeah. which I think would be fine. But you're still going to get upsets because it's baseball. It is baseball. You, you have to go back to what are the roots of baseball. And the roots of baseball is that it's a sport that anyone can win. You can have the Colorado Rockies go win a series of, of five against the Orioles. Mm -hmm. And just because they had some pitchers that were on on days that the Orioles pitchers weren't. So baseball is a game like that. Um, I, I do kind of like the idea of potentially stretching it out to seven. But I'm also one of those guys that's like, hey, more baseball is never, never a problem. Like, I, I'll take seven-game series from the get-go, especially in the postseason. Um, but 
I, I don't really know what could be done in that situation. Um, you're like you said, you're going to get upsets. That's just the nature of the game. Um, and I think at, cer- at a certain point, you just kind of have to accept it. Yeah, and we had you know even when the wild card was first introduced, we had a lot of those teams going in. Yeah, where they had that momentum, and he said, "Hey, let's let's steal some of that momentum from them and have mm-hmm. them have a wild card game, so they you know use up one of their pitchers." So I don't know that there is a, a magic bullet for that at all. But look, there's a magic bullet for. Anytime you're doing anything with a Denver or a Colorado sports, and it's coming down here to the corner of Colfax, New York at the DNVR bar. Get yourself signed up. Become a diehard. We get 15% off all your food and drink, 20% off all the gear over at dnvrlocker.com. All that Coach Prime gear, uh, you can get that. Lock that down. It's wonderful. You also get a free shirt each and every year. We've got wonderful events going on all year long. They're only going to increase, obviously, uh, with the Nuggets and Avs getting going here. The next tailgate is going to be October 22nd. That's against the Packers. Snarf's all you can eat. Breckenridge Distillery is going to be there. All you can drink. They got the canned cocktails from Ricky's Spirits. All kinds of wonderful stuff going on for that. So uh, get yourself locked in on the tailgates and everything over at uh, the dnvr.com. Check out our events because they're always fun. All right. So there are a couple Rockies that have now made to the division series. In fact, there was one that Danielle had just mentioned that put up a little, you know, my, my rabbit ears of like, wait a minute, Brian Baker. Is that the Rockies, Brian oh, Baker? Yeah, yeah. No, no, couldn't possibly be. And like, oh, yeah, that's right. I had forgotten that. Kind of the throw-in in the Sung Won O deal in 2018, Chad Spamberger, Forrest Wall, who is on Atlanta's uh, 26-man mm-hmm. roster here for the NLDS. But Brian Baker uh, pitching there in the postseason. Atlanta, as we know, all of those Rockies guys, Pierce Johnson, Brad Hand, Hand Kevin Pillar, Forrest Wall, the coaches, Walt Weiss, Eric Young Sr., and Sal Fasano. Baltimore, besides Brian Baker, you know, they've got uh, Darren Holmes as their bullpen coach, uh, mm-hmm. former former Rockies pitching coach. Texas hasn't activated John Gray yet, so they can't root for them, No, I guess, not yet. technically. Not yet. No. Minnesota, uh, first base coach Tony Diaz was a, a longtime first base coach, or actually for a couple years uh, during their postseason runs in 17 and 18. Houston, not a trace. Not a trace of Rockies anywhere to be found. Yeah. Yeah. To my knowledge, yes. Well, and I mean, uh, although at the time this team was not under uh, Rocky's domain, but mm. um, Bruce Bochy used to coach the Spokane Indians way back in the day when before they were a Rockies organization, they were actually with the Rangers at the time. Uh, yeah. But, you know, so there was a little connection. Bruce Bochy was in the current old organization. Look, there's an asterisk next to it, but guess yeah. what? It's <laughs> like, on the list. We're making some hard connections It's there. on the list. It's on the list. It's on the list. A friend of a friend is a friend. <laughs> yes, that so is correct. Four, yeah, they, that's good. some sort of connection there. I don't know if Jeff Hoffman is a friend of the Rockies anymore right? after not allowing <laughs> to come to come to his tryout, but uh, he's one sure. of them for Philadelphia. Arizona, no connections whatsoever. Mark Melanson's a Colorado guy. Went to Golden High School, yeah. uh, but he's, he missed all of the season. Uh, and then for the Dodgers, Josh Bard, they're both, uh, yeah, one of their bullpen coaches, didn't play with the Rockies and is not related to Daniel Bard, but he did go to Cherry Creek High School. So cool. Yeah. No, I see. Look, I'm used to that with the Mariners. The Mariners always felt like, you know, when I was growing when I was growing up in Seattle, every time we'd have someone good, they would go somewhere else and then be good there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I, I, you know, I kind of I kind of get that. And I think a lot of it is you can have good players playing for your team like Nolan Arenado. Perfect example. Trevor Story, like those kind of guys that just don't gel with what the organization is doing in that moment and then they go to another place and they're uber successful or not but um you you love to see it for some of those guys that you know you hate to see go the nlds so far it's only been one game for them but that was enough worth worth talking i feel like there was enough in both the atlanta philly series as well as the arizona la one Mm -hmm. as the two games 
that were played each. It in, felt in the like American it. League. I, I had to Didn't like do it? a double take when I was like, wait a minute, did I miss a second game? Like there's only been one, there really only has been one game. And yeah. that ultimately, I guess that's just to like split things up just a little bit. Sure, we were able to have four games on Saturday, but then if we had four games on Sunday, we'd have nothing today. So, yeah, yeah. No, uh, I like that there's some games today. The Dodgers got to figure something out, man, because that opening, that that home opener in the postseason was rough. Clayton Kershaw goes, not only did it take him his sixth batter to finally get an out, God. right? Five hits, five runs. That hadn't happened before, but it took 12 minutes. I've, I've 12 been there. 12 minutes. I've been there, and it, and, and and but I cannot imagine what that's like at that level. You because also you have this idea too that you're known for not being not being able to show no. up in the postseason. So if you're Clayton Kershaw, the dude's a competitor. He's an amazing pitcher. He knows that above anyone mm -hmm. else. Like you have to go in there with a chip on your shoulder and to get absolutely lit up in the first inning before you can even record an out um, is just demoralizing. It, and, and and it makes your entire fan base, organization, and yourself even nervous when you get that ball again if you do get the rock again what is that going to be like how am i going to come out there and, and that's so hard mentally to overcome that consistency of struggle i think the broncos are doing it right now where you're like oh there's just been a consistent uh you know level of losing that you've had in these situations and you have to find a way to snap out of that yeah. I, I don't know what that is for kershaw because he has not been able to show up when it counts his head was was so low it was yeah. his his chin was into his chest it was, his chest yeah. was concave he had the, That's the, how he had he the, the the d-line you know head and hands <laughs> broncos yeah. uh, lost picture that was that was him and we've I mean, seen that before too like that that's what's so wild so like going into this game uh on on saturday it was so obviously going to be a dodgers win besides the fact that you know kershaw had a 14 and one record yeah. against the diamondbacks mm -hmm. at dodger stadium a sub two era hadn't hadn't lost a game to the diamondbacks since 2012 yeah President Barack Obama's first administration was the last time. <laughs> That's crazy. Was the last time uh, that Kershaw lost the game at Dodger Stadium, and then he had Merrill Kelly, who was zero and seven, yeah, uh, with a five plus ERA, seven ERA at Dodger Stadium against LA. He was out of the game before the the Dodger, like the LA rush hour. People were able to get yes. to the game. You know how like it takes like 30, yeah. 45 minutes for people to really show up to the game. I mean, there were empty seats, mm -hmm. and Kershaw was out. Imagine being like, all right, I spent a hundreds of dollars to go take my my kids and I to to the Dodgers first game of their postseason and you show up and Kershaw's not even in the game because you get there at the end of the first inning and they're just getting blown out Unreal. It's 11, 11 nothing obviously at, at one point I just had thought there were a lot of you know LA Lakers fans there because you just see the yellow seats yeah and you're like wow is everyone rocking the Kobe's today like what's right. going on and, oh, <laughs> no they just went home yeah they got late and left early and saw you know a little bit of nothing. I think oh, there was I, I, there was just so many like head spinning stats that came out of it. Obviously, short of starting Kershaw's career, I think you know Tommy Fan had three hits before the number nine hitter for the Dodgers even had a plate appearance. That was kind of very similar wow, to unreal. that blowout of the Angels and the Rockies, where Brenton Doyle hadn't had a hit and it was like fourteen to nothing at <laughs> right. that point. Um, Throwing the white flag, man, it's done. They're yeah, done. Four four nine ERA for Clayton Kershaw in the postseason. Thirteen to thirteen record. Whatever. And what's his overall? Do you do you do you have this overall? It's regular season. It's, it's basically two point four nine. Yeah. It's either two point four six. So or he 2. doubles 49. his regular season. Double ERA. it. Add two runs to it. But yeah, like that's a it's a big difference. Now there are plenty of guys out there that would go. 
I'd kill for a four or five ERA in the postseason. Sure, yeah. I'd kill for an opportunity just to pitch. Yeah, you're looking at two of them right now. Yeah, yeah. no, that's but what I mean. Still, like that's just such a major difference between regular season and postseason for Kershaw. Well, and that was where I posed that question: was you know what's more important, a guy who can play as all-star caliber, you know, pitching for 10 plus years in the big leagues, but not have good postseason performances or vice versa. And it's just, when it matters most, you cannot choke like that. That That is a sign of a competitor. It, it's, it's what you dream of your entire life, being able to go out there, lead your team to victory when it matters most, what you've worked for all season long. Um, I don't know what the, the fix is for Kershaw. We like to sit here and say, you know, right. as former baseball players at our lowly level, like what can, what, what do we think they can do? I have no idea. I have no idea because it, it's such a unique situation where the dude's obviously an absolute stud on the mound, but he, there is something about his mindset that keeps him from getting to where he needs to be in the postseason. But for every start that he has like Saturday night where he had a 162 ERA for that game, mm-hmm. sometimes when you get one out and give up five runs, he can go out and, and balance that. So the, the best solution is it's probably not one to just fix it outright and who knows how many more years he's got left, but is just to, to flush and go back out there and do it again. He was one of the first guys out there working out at Dodger Stadium on course, Sunday. Yeah. Dave Roberts said, yeah, I mean, he's going to get the ball in game four. They don't really have many other options, but he can go back out there and, you know, if he throws six innings and, and gives up three runs for a quality start, that's kind of a that's actually above average in, yeah. in the postseason in, in general. If you can give them a little bit of length and you go, all right, that kind of resets some things. You just you just put it in the rear view. There's nothing more motivating than, you know, this this level of inconsistency because he knows he's better than that. And so yeah. there's nothing more motivating in wanting to work hard and, and fix whatever's broken. Um, the issue is you're you're walking on very thin ice mm. because you let's say Kershaw comes out next game and he gives up a home run in the first inning. Okay, game's not over. It's one. It's one nothing. Let's just say. Yeah. But what that does to your mindset in almost triggering this PTSD response of everything that's happened so far before that, that's where it gets stressful. You get a guy that hasn't had any postseason problems, gives up a home run the first inning. Yeah, it's a bummer. But like most likely, he's probably gonna just flush it and keep going. Kershaw different situation you've got a lot more things running through your head so that's where it starts getting dangerous if you're dave roberts yeah you don't have a lot of other options but i might think of having a much quicker leash on kershaw if he starts to see that his mental side of things is is falling behind a little bit and you have to think that one of the reasons why the dodgers only have one world series ring sure it came during the 2020 season so you know you could dunk on them for that if you'd like please do Uh, dunk on the dodgers all you'd like asterisk 2020 yep but they got one world series ring in kershaw's time because of that four four nine ERA in the postseason. Now, granted, they don't go to the postseason each and every year without him, mm-hmm. but they're also maybe with somebody else there. I, I don't know who. And, and again, uh, n- not not trying to suggest anything, but look, you can ride with him during the regular season. He'll get you to October, and then after that, hey, you're you're on your own. I'm taking you to the promised land. Yeah. And after that, you guys have to now lead the way. One ring asterisk. Yeah. It's tough. Tough to be a Dodger fan right now. My buddy's a, a diehard Dodger fan, and I texted him afterwards, and he's like, I'm getting ready for game one tomorrow. And I'm like, all right, all right. we <laughs> flushed that one. Yeah. It's going to be Zach Gallen versus Bobby Miller. Zach Gallen, a dude who's been in the Cy Young conversation the last couple years, had a rough first inning against Milwaukee last week during his start. And then you look by the end of the, end of the game, he didn't give up anything else after that over his six innings pitch. So uh, that's a big one for them to, to possibly win. Bobby Miller's a, he's a dude. But he's also a rookie, yeah. Uh, and and there's some there's some pressure on on the Dodgers. But I mean, when you got JD Martinez, Max Muncie, 
oh yeah, and Freddie Freeman and, and Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts, yeah. You know, you're you're gonna be okay. It's definitely not over. But they got the pieces. It's just it's fun to see the young guys together. on the Diamondbacks too, right? Like yeah. you can tell Marte and, and Corbin Carroll are like just a vicious combination. It just seems like they're always going back to back, doing something with with base hits. I love, and this is like a great postseason moment that the Diamondback get, Diamondbacks get knocked out. Great, you might not remember it as much, but I feel like it's one of those moments that makes up. It's a it's 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 a brick in in the in the you know foundation for a deep run of those memories. And that was Alec Thomas's 14 pitch at bat where he fouled off 11 pitches. And on pitch yeah. number 14, homers. And you go, wow, that's yeah. postseason right there. That's the kind of stuff. That's the special stuff that happens for a team yeah. that ends up going all the way to win I, the World Series. I, I will say this as a play-by-play broadcaster. <laughs> there is nothing more exciting than calling one of those at-bats. I've had a couple of them because the tension starts building. You're like, okay, pitch number 12, here we go. <laughs> you know, it's a one-on-one pitch, you know, and, and you start building up. And when you finally get to release all of that, it's not just some like rollover to the shortstop, you know, and it just kind of flutters out. When you get to release all of that buildup, oh, there's nothing better. You go wild in the booth. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy, folks. And with these games being quicker, too, you know, you look at a 707 first pitch start time uh, for Diamondbacks, Dodgers tonight, and you go, I, I can probably watch all those games, you know, yeah. All nine innings pretty easily. Sure. Uh, Atlanta and Philly, that's going to be at 4.07 tonight. Zach Wheeler versus Max Fried. That is just a great matchup. Zach Wheeler, really good numbers against Atlanta. And Max Fried has been one of the best pitchers in baseball the last five years. Yeah. yeah. Kind of. And, and he's got one more year until he reaches free agency. He's one of those guys I could see possibly you know, getting $200 million next year. It'll be interesting if Atlanta you know, does the kind of small market uh team thinking of well he only has one year left let's see if we can trade him and, and bring in some prospects and kind of you know uh add through subtraction in a sense right there but spencer strider looked really solid but not solid enough for a phillies bullpen that yeah. was rested all year long the uh, least amount of innings pitch out of any bullpen so thanks to that rotation yeah. the bullpen was well rested and rob thompson leaned on them they got the 3-0 victory in game one Sitting out there with those pink backpacks, you know, just just enjoying your life out there. There's nothing more exciting than uh, a bullpen that you just get to like hang out out there. And I, I didn't pitch from the bullpen very much, but every once in a while, you know, I get, get I get a relief. I well, I, I would Humble get a relief, yeah, right? I get a relief, uh, you know, like coming back from an injury or something. I get a relief pitch, and oh, it's so nice sitting out there with all the guys. But um, yeah, I, I mean, the Phillies, the Phillies are a team, and I thought Baltimore was going to be this kind this kind of team, yeah, where they have the momentum, yeah, and and you know you watch that home run from Trey Turner uh what was it a couple nights ago and you see that angle where you see it coming look kind of looking down like the third baseline at the batter and you can see everyone behind him standing up and you know raising their arms that like I show that to people who don't like baseball or people who who think baseball is boring like like Marissa I, I give her credit she doesn't think baseball is boring but she's not one of those like diehard baseball fans mm -hmm. and I'll show that to her and be like look look at that like that's baseball like you can get that if you have a team that's playing like the Phillies are playing and they're living up to the standards, unlike Baltimore playing and, you know, with the momentum feeding into that. Um, and they've got some fun guys to watch, you know, especially Bryce Harper, who just plays with a ton of mm -hmm. attitude. Mm -hmm. um, they're a fun team to watch right now. I fully expect them to take care of business against the Braves. Yeah. I and mean, they did it last year yeah. uh, in this round. So yeah, they, they've got all that momentum and they can have Nolan Wheeler for, for, uh, well, not for not for four starts, but three starts because mm -hmm. Noel already went. Um, 
But yeah, they're they're definitely the favorites. There was uh, did you see that interesting catch interference call? I did. That yeah. I was like, there's everyone everyone knew it. Umpire yep. called it right away. Yep. Real Muto's body language was like, yep, catches interference. Totally. Even Sean Murphy Bases was like, loaded, ah, yeah. shoot, you yeah. caught that or you noticed that. Yeah. And yet it was like, yeah, but there wasn't. Mm. How does everyone know that there's catcher's interference? It's. But it wasn't. Do you, do you know how, how it was catcher's interference? I, I, yeah. And, and I mean, I was I was actually listening to it at the time I yeah. was cooking. And so I'd stepped away from the TV and I heard it and they were talking about it. And I'm thinking, OK, they're going to figure this out. And I they, it took forever for them to get around to, you know, to answering what was going on. But um, it's weird. It was really weird. And I think the postseason lights kind of get to some people and you just start questioning things, you know, a little mm -hmm. more than maybe you would if you was in the regular season. Yeah, if if you hear, I don't know if you saw this play, but you know how on a baseball mitt there's like all the like excess strings that are on there. You know, you'll see it around, and yeah. like little kids will be like sucking on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the bat hit. The bat just hit a little, yeah. I don't know, two inch piece of like uh, I don't like, think it's, it's leather. It's, it, yeah, it's suede. leather. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're yeah. like usually like suede. Um, and that that was it. That was the sound. I think Jumbo even did a video where like he enhanced the audio. Where yeah. You just hear a little. Yeah, see, on, just a tiny bit in in like if you're playing at like college level or below, you get with the metal bats, you can hear it a lot more clear. You can hear that, like, oh, yeah. you know, and, and with with wood bats, it's different. But yeah, you can feel it. I will say, especially because like, you know, you see it a lot with like first basements um, and stuff like it. You've got the floppy, you know, mm -hmm. strings hanging off. Um, you can feel it if, if that gets tugged even a little bit. Um, but yeah, a weird, a weird one. It was a weird one. That was that was a key play there. That was critical. It was bases loaded. Yeah. There was uh, an interesting question that was posed uh, during uh, the the one workout day to Nick Castellanos. That was very fluff. Like we get, you know, we we see it here. Uh, Susie and I both both will notice, you know, on some of those big days, like opening day or whatever. And you know, my my heart goes out to them a little bit. They they drop in for one day. They're holding the camera. You know, they're right out of college. Yeah. They're trying to figure out what baseball is and ask those questions. And they're a little, you know. Little puffy kind yeah. of questions, but this is the postseason. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta lock it in. But someone asked Nick Castellanos, basically saying, Hey, did you see that thing, that meme or that thing going on on social media about the Philly fanatic being able to beat up the Atlanta mascot blooper? That was a question that was actually Really asked. in the postseason. <laughs> yeah. It was it was during a workout day, so it wasn't like a post game thing. Wow, I didn't but see that. Still it was a little and he's like he's like, Yeah, uh, yeah, and my wife mentioned it. Follow up. <laughs> that's a good answer. Follow I mean, up. Hey. So who'd win? It was like, all right, you know what? You're on your thing. Yeah, that's your Do beat. It. That is your beat. And I, and and props to Castellanos because he goes, I'll say fanatic because I I play for the Phillies. So he's just like, oh my god, yeah, what a weird. It. Hey, sure. He did I, I didn't see that. That's funny. I'll have to I'll have to look at that clip because that's hilarious. I've I've heard some pretty weird questions asked. Um, I I was a reporter in Eastern Washington under the Mike Leach era. I don't know if you're familiar with mm -hmm. Mike Leach, Washington State, he's oh, a ex Washington card. State football coach, and um and he had some wild press conferences. So yeah, I'm used to the guys that would go out and ask the you know you're 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 just poking for anything, but. Cassianos, good for him for being a good sport and answering a kind of weird question. <sighs> I would have been sitting there like, what are you talking about? But yeah. Thanks, talk baseball a little bit. <laughs> thankfully, everyone got their questions asked. It wasn't like a time thing. Yeah, like, okay, right. Someone missed one, out on a legit question. Five hands are, you know, are yeah. up there to ask. Like, We're wrapping one. it up. We're done. Yeah, that was it, guys. We're done. Yeah. So what was your thoughts on when they tried to make that bootleg fanatic to get around the licensing fees? You're like, what? Yeah. Now's not the time right now. Now I, is I'm going to need you to ask questions like that from now on, Patrick. Yeah, really. Man, yeah. this has been uh, tons of fun. Let folks know where they can check your stuff out. Because look, you, you, you do some 
some high school football games. People I do. can hear you. You I are do. doing stuff in the sports yeah, world. Yeah, look, I, I, I stay pretty active, uh, you know, at least in the broadcasting world on Twitter, at CJJ Saez. Um, yeah, right now is football season for me. And so, and, and volleyball. I've got a volleyball match on Ooh. Tuesday. I think I'm doing Cherry Creek High School and Eagle Crest, if I remember correctly. I have to check that one. But yeah, some fun high school sports happening in Colorado. So you can catch me uh, doing some of those games and then getting ready for basketball season here soon. I hope you get like a good, like, 40 bump rally in volleyball. Yeah. Where it's upset. Oh, dude, it's spike. So oh, dug out. Yeah. Set, bump, spike. Oh, like that's that's the equivalent that's, of the 14 pitch at Literally, I was going to say, that's exactly what that is, where you're like, someone's <laughs> going to have some killer spike at the end where I could just go crazy. And, Jerry yeah. Griggs calls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Just enjoy it, man. Oh, it's it's a blast. Three to four, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> literally. Oh, man. High school sports can be such a blast sometimes, but then you get that like, random 48 to three football game where you're just like oh my god are we in running clock yet like what are we doing <laughs> yeah it's fun it's a good time good Man, time in colorado we're having plenty of fun talking rockies talking postseason two on twitter at dnvr underscore rockies at patrick d Lyons is where i can be found christian i appreciate all the momentum you've given us it's a lot more than than the orioles have given themselves as we know <laughs> yeah. but uh we have a saying around here when it comes to baseball podcasts your momentum that momentum that we just built it's only as good as your next show so of course it's actually going to be a good one. Susie's going to be here Tuesday right here on the DNVR Sports Channel live on YouTube.